You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about television, Marquee Moon. On the line, I have Rob. What's up? Ben. Hello. John. Just effects. And <laughs> Kyle. Hi there. Marquee Moon is the debut album by American rock band Television. It was re- released on February 8th, 1977 on Electra Records. The producer was Andy Johns and Tom Rolaine. And the genre is rock, post-punk, art, punk garage rock uh and i'm gonna read from the book jim harrington television were the least commercially successful major band to come out of the punk scene they helped to create in, at cbgb's however their finest hour marky moon was as good if not better than contemporary seminal works such as patty smith's horses and talking heads debut after being shopped around to various labels, television signed with Elektra in 1976 for their debut. The band was operating without original bassist Richard Hell, who left the group to start the Heartbreakers with Johnny Thunders. Bassist Fred Smith was a most fitting replacement, but his greatest contribution was the introduction of Tom Verlaine to Andy Johns, uh, who knew enough not to tinker with the blurry jazz punk sound honed at CBGB's. The result was a guitar album like no other, turning away from the bluesy sound that had dominated rock guitar since 1960s television created a work that in its own way is every bit as sweeping as Led Zeppelin's finest offerings, starting with the churning see no evil Verlaine and Richard Lloyd tangle their stinging leads into spiraling celebrations of urban grime and street culture. The 11 minute title track led some to draw comparisons with hippie bands, but there was no flower power, just power, to be found in Prove It and Guiding Light. Marky Moon received a lukewarm response from the public, but was hailed by critics, including NME's Nick Kent, who enthused that the songs were some of the greatest ever. All right, what do we think of television Marky Moon? Top 10, man, all time. Masterpiece. Now, yeah, this is what I call music. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely an amazing album. It took a really yeah. long time for me to come around. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, well, this is one of the albums that I got with. You want to learn about punk rock. Here's the 10 CDs that uh, I got from whatever BMG music club. And they said, here it is. It's Sex Pistols. It's The Clash. It's 
I already knew I loved The Clash from my brother and, and things like that. But Marky Moon was in there, Patti Smith Horses. And for some reason, when you're, you know, when you're at a younger age and you're getting into punk rock, this is on the other spectrum. This doesn't feel like the exciting, you know, sort of snarling punk rock that you that you get into. Fast forward, though, a couple of years after after repeated listens and oh, my God, this album is just blowing you away because it has those leads. It has the it has the musicianship that those other bands were were kind of ignoring at the time. And it, it's something completely different. I understand why they lumped it in with punk rock, but it and Patti Smith uh, and some of those other things like suicide are are almost outside of the the punk, the the guitar driven rock of punk rock, the three chords of punk rock. You almost have to lump television in with punk rock, though, regardless of how different they sound, kind of like suicide, you know, like television they were like the first band to have a residency at CBGB's and like it, it was their manager, Terry Ork. That was, he was the guy that helped convince uh, the, the CBGB's owner, uh, Hilly crystal to CBGB's had just opened, you know, CBGB country, bluegrass blues. He thought that was going to be his money, money maker. It was, it was television and their management that kind of convinced him to give this type of music a chance Televisions, they were playing CBGBs, I think, before a handful of these bands that we've covered were putting out records. You know, like punk was not defined yeah. at all. You know, it, it, it was just it's just this new music. And I really like that it wasn't defined like like television. They're giving us punk sensibilities with with like classic rock guitar solos and it works for me they've got, they've got that jazziness the way the, the, the way uh, Richard Lloyd and Tom Verlaine's guitar lines just like interweave through the whole thing. It's this album's so exciting to me. And it, it, the, the level of craftsmanship and the level of talent without getting too far away from sounding like, you know, like it's still DIY punk, you know, they just have all this skill all the skill. I'll let someone else talk for a minute. I, I could just continue talking about television for a while. Okay, Ben, um, I'll, I'll pick that up. I got into a uh, television with their second record, Real Life, because mm-hmm. uh, I like that "Shot by Both Sides" song. Uh, but Claire had this album because you got it for like a long time ago. Uh, so I've heard it. Um, I got this time. for Claire. Yeah, Marky Moon, you got this yeah, for Claire. I, I, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've heard this album many times, but um for this for this podcast, I, I listened to it, you know, a few times and took notes and this is a ferociously good record. Yeah, like, right. Um, every song's got something something to offer that's just astonishing. This is the first time that I've ever listened to this whole album. Um I've heard, you know, bits and pieces here or there, uh, you know, from community radio, but I'll admit my first listen through, I wasn't necessarily all that crazy about it. Um, but on the multiple listens, when you focus on the guitar lines and the song structure, you're like, Oh, Holy shit. This is really good. And also I think 
I think I maybe had a bit of that struggle that Birch maybe had when he was a young man. Like this doesn't sound like things that we've heard at this time that sound like punk. It sounds like things you hear later when you're like, oh, this is some stuff that sounds like post-punk, indie, alt-rock. Like there's definitely elements of that where it bleeds into, you know, things that are more familiar, even things like some of the harder building of like a Rodan song at the end of a Rodan song, you know, things are, it's like, Oh, this is a 13 minute song. How's it going on this way? Oh, okay. Well, it's not a jam. It's them building to some more power, you know? And that's a hard thing to grasp sometime when a song is that long. I like that the one Louisville native is throwing down Rodan to people who didn't didn't grow up in the nineties in Louisville, but Wake yes, up, I, I kind of I kind of know what you're talking about. Come on, on slint. Listen to some some slint and some yeah. Rodan. <laughs> hey, Levi's is down, man. If Levi's is down, then then everyone's down. And I I used to listen to this. When yeah. I got this record, I was working in the kitchen at the Upland Brewery, uh, and we, we'd listen to it while we working in the kitchen. Normally, it was me and uh, and Aaron Deer doing prep cooking, and we were both huge fans. Uh, he had actually covered this album when the Impossible Shapes did a television tribute, and they just played Marky Moon start to finish. And according to Aaron, very, very hard. Hard as shit to cover this record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, we 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 jokingly refer to the title track Marky Moon as the the fastest ten and a half minutes in rock and roll. It doesn't feel like a ten and a half minute long song. At no point in the song am I checking my watch. I think this is the first time I've listened to this record. I know I've heard all of these songs, but I've never actively sat down and listened to this record. Maybe it was on when you and I were living together, Ben. I'm not sure. Television was a band I avoided. Not because I was afraid people were going to sing at me. I can see you shaking your head, you fuck. <laughs> Knock it <laughs> off, Kyle. Um, but it was one of those bands that people would recommend that I just didn't trust their judgment, so I ignored it. <laughs> Continue shaking your head, Kyle. <laughs> do, you, do you sound like you're... Like your past self is a dick? Like, do you hear that? <laughs> of course I was a dick. We were all dicks. I'm just, I, I, I'm okay to talk about how I was, a, I was a prick. I get it. Yes, yes, I was wrong. I consistently am wrong. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I, I, I just didn't, I didn't trust Matt Askren, you know? The, he's, that, he's that a motherfucker. very good musician. Yeah, but his taste in music was terrible. Was it really? to my ears at that point in time? Yes, yes. No, I, I think we should we should dive deeper, Rob. <laughs> There's got to be some kind of reason why all these excellent, cool people and musicians are trying to get you to listen to cool stuff and you refuse. <laughs> He's a contrarian. If somebody recommends it, He's an it, iconoclast. It's, it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's, You're Doug and I'm it's, Dad. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I think, I think too, when you're a bit younger, when you're like, like I, going back to my story, when you want something that's immediate, immediately tangible within that, that same uh, collection of CDs, I got raw power. I got the New York dolls and those were, you, you pick those up and you know exactly what's going on, right? It's, it's like, this is exciting. This is uh thrown in my face. Um, 
kind of all over the place. But television is the refinement. It's a it's a tiny revolution of uh, playing the this mode, this uh, the Moloxian mode of guitar, where you are stretching out something and having a reference of Led Zeppelin, and then saying, "Okay, blues, right? We all play that," and then pushing forward in this controlled, concise way of punk rock but also having the chops to, to play all this stuff. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it takes a minute and I can absolutely, if anybody listened to this album and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't care about this. It, I would just say, yeah, listen to it a couple more times. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's also very catchy yeah. though. Every it's song's weird though, because it's, it's catchy. Tom for considered television, a pop band. He didn't understand why albums weren't, weren't moving off the shelves. He thought he was making pop music. Yeah. Yeah. I read that too. Oh, he thought he was going to be yeah. like a superstar, <laughs> a pop superstar. Man. Uh, Speaking uh, of ahead, chops, I'm going to, I'm just going to interrupt you just for one second, Ben. Okay. I promise this will be the last time I interrupt you today. Um, speaking of chops, uh, Richard Hell, uh, he did jump ship before this was recorded. Yeah. I was going to ask about uh, that. But he had a wonderful anecdote about the early days. Can I can I spin you a Richard Hell yarn? Please do. Yes. Love Richard Hell. This one's about Dee Dee. <laughs> uh, in the early days of television, yeah, he auditioned for the band as a guitar player, an instrument on which he was a complete non-starter. Playing <laughs> a song in the key of C, Dee Dee gingerly fingered the neck of the guitar, looking at the others with his big pleading puppy dog eyes for affirmation. No, 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 in C. <laughs> Wait, is that DD or, or Hell? <laughs> That's Richard Hell. Oh my God. Talking about DD trying oh. out on guitar for television in the oh, early days. Wait, DD tried Sweet out Dee Dee. on guitar for television? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, but television is good. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I just wanted to share that. Uh, ben, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, Go no, on. That's actually a great segue because I was I wanted to to talk for a minute about the, the guitar work of television. So they've they've got the two guitar assault, which is cool. And you know, I, I, I thought that was was listening to it with an analytic ear trying to hear the difference between the two guitar players and like upon listening they there's two there's two different styles going on very much different styles different schools of a guitar and what makes television work so well is they just complement each other so well it's like uh tom verlaine he's singing and he's one of the guitar players and he definitely has a more expressionistic neil youngish style of guitar he's competent on guitar his solos like right now we're listening to tom verlaine solo and marky moon tom verlaine solos they sound more improvised they sound more like he, he he he's just expressing himself on the guitar whereas richard lloyd i learned this week mm -hmm. was actually mm -hmm. he studied under hendrix uh one of his he he was he he learned guitar at a young age he was he picked it up quick. He was very much, he knew he wanted to be a guitar gunslinger. When he, by the time he was in high school, he stopped bringing a backpack to school. He would just bring his guitar case to school uh, to, to like prove a point or whatever. Eventually he dropped out of school, moved to New York. He just wants to do guitar stuff. He befriends uh, uh, Velvet Turner, who Velvet Turner 
was the only person that Jimi Hendrix in his lifetime ever took on as an understudy. Uh, Jimi Hendrix saw, he saw potential in this guy, Velvet, and Jimi Hendrix gave him private lessons. Uh, Velvet becomes really good friends with Richard Lloyd, and Velvet gets the okay from Jimi for Velvet to teach Richard what Jimi had taught Velvet, with Jimi kind of overseeing uh, like making sure like the les lessons are legit. So Jimi Hendrix did not teach Richard Lloyd personally, but he was there at, they the lessons took place at his apartment and he was there overseeing them. So Richard Lloyd is coming to television with this classic rock, like sixties rock blues based Jimi Hendrix instructed guitar style just shredding these finger twisting solos. And then Tom Verlaine's doing like the more like expressionistic improvisational stuff over it. And between the two of them, it's such a, you, you just, it, you can't fuck with it. It's so cool. Right. Like friction, right? Is it right? Fun? Yeah. Yeah. was like the one song that was like oh my god like the juxtaposition of those two guitarists like yeah and then we, we listened to uh we, we covered uh a few months ago the patty smith album horses and Ooh. man let, let me skip back because i forget which song it was but there was a really guitar heavy song on horses that i learned when doing the research it, it was tom Berlane on guitar and once i heard that i couldn't unhear it, it just sounded like half of television <laughs> you know television's drummer uh uh billy fickup he's he studied he was a jazz drummer that was his school marky moon was recorded live the the, the, the title track marky moon the ten and a half yeah one take long song that we're still listening to it was recorded it's live in one take and and the drummer billy was under the impression that they were rehearsing for their take uh andy johns on the radio he's like all right that was a cut uh uh, and, and Billy was like, oh, shit, like, I thought that was rehearsal. And Andy's like, oh, you want to run through it again? And apparently Tom Verlaine was like, no, nah, man. <laughs> he was right. This, this yeah. cut, and it's of a full band playing live, very intricate parts that are just weaving back and forth, and there's not a sour note in the thing. Yeah, Verlaine described it as 10 minutes of urban paranoia. Okay. Yeah, one take. Um, recorded as a rehearsal, it's astonishing maybe that's why the drums sound so relaxed because i've always wondered about the it 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 just found it yeah. sounds very natural it, it sounds like a like a loose laid back very <laughs> tight band though. well because apparently uh, these guys yeah. practiced the fuck out of these songs though like like practicing that's was their full-time oh, job yeah. they, they practiced yeah. eight hours a day yeah and these yeah. were not, these were, most of these were not new songs for this album. I think these were songs they've been playing live for a long time too. Most of them. Wow. That, that's longer than uh, a quick one while he's away that uh, 
that that who jam with Ivan the engine driver on the Marky, second Marky half of it. longer than that. that yeah, that that one only comes in at nine minutes, and that was another like full on live like recording. That's yeah. oh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Verlaine said hey. uh, of of Marky Moon. He said, "I would play until something happened." That comes from jazz, or even the Doors, or the five live Yardbird albums. Uh, that kind of rave up dynamic. So it's just he was just looking for that live stuff, and they mm-hmm. they found it. That song's a masterpiece. Mm. Like yeah. Th- those guitar lines th- it's like a jigsaw puzzle they just like they fill yeah. in each other's gaps so well it's so cool and then uh richard hell's replacement uh so richard hell very very punk want to talk very, about very richard good. hell thank you thank you Beth. yeah no <laughs> much like sid vicious much like a few other punk rock bass players he had the look he had the image he was undeniably punk but he's not good enough to be in a band like television. He, he, I'm sorry, Kyle, I can see your face. He, he's not Kyle. T- 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 television did not blossom until Richard hell left because they wanted to practice and he wanted to be a punk. <laughs> you know, like, no, uh, yeah, I wrote that down. I didn't know that he had quit the band before their first record. Like love Richard. Uh, hell. Quit, like, quit is a, uh, did he really quit or did they refuse to play his songs and they oh, kind of said, uh, yeah, management has met and it was, it's out. just not a good fit. <laughs> Cause I love Richard. Hell. I mean, uh, dude, I do too. Blank generations, uh, yeah. a, a great song. Voidoid. The heartbreakers, the Voivod. But, yeah. But is he the best fit for the rhythm section of this band? No, I don't know. That's why. Because, so Fred Smith, the Fred Smith who replaced him, they poached him from Blondie and Fred, okay. Fred Smith, is very very he's solid he's foundational and he pairs with with billy ficka the jazz drummer enough that once verlaine and lloyd had that rock solid foundation they were able to explore what their guitars could do and not worry about notes being missed because richard hell is stage driving stage (laughs) diving instead of playing his part (laughs) well i still like him i do too no he's great yeah i like him too yeah he's great it's there's a there's certain people that that fit into certain bands. Um, I was gonna mention too the song we're listening to right now, Elevation, always blew me away. The the sudden there's no there's no pause between that elevation and that hit that snare hit. It comes right after they they say it, and it always just sounds like the like the CD is skipping. It's it's fantastic it's though. It has that angular mm-hmm. feel. That hi hat work. It's in, yeah, it's incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, was it was it you Ben who noticed that elevation also sounds like something else that's sort of that more Rob. relevant? Oh, that Rob, Rob noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I, man, it it might just be a direct sample of that uh, that opening guitar line for what was it the Cardigans? Loveful. Yeah. It's the the syncopation. Are you talking about elevation? Different. So I don't, I don't yeah. think it's a sample. I think their guitar player was very inspired. I was gonna say the the guitar intro for Elevation sounds like uh, the Greg Kinn band, the breakup song. Do you guys no, know that? No, song? no, no, another one. The Greg Kinn band, the breakup song. You said it again, but I still haven't heard it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're Cardigans fans, man. I thought you would. Hit, I thought you'd hear the shock of recognition. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I used to think. 
I used to think that in Elevation, in the hook, I thought they were saying the name of their own band. Like, television, yeah. don't go to my head. I'm like, oh, okay. So you're successful and you don't want to get a big head. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a clever mm. play on the, on the band name. Uh, the cover photo used on this album, which is a cool photo, uh, I didn't realize until this week. It's a Robert Maplethorpe photo. Robert Maplethorpe took... I'm sure a very high quality photograph of the band television and printed them out some proofs. Uh, Tom Verlaine and company took the proof they liked best and took it to like the local, like Mr. Copy and gave it to the, 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 the copy machine technician on, uh, on the clock and told him just to print some color copies. And he printed some color copies. They told him to do it again while just like pushing buttons and turning dials with your eyes closed, just keep on printing copies and just like, just like jazz, man. So, <laughs> so he just prints them out like all these like like uh, like copies that probably have like too high of contrast, too saturated of exposure, or whatever levels. And they picked uh, they picked their favorite one of that and compared it to the the Maplethorpe original, and they ended up liking the the shitty photocopy one better. And that's what uh, that that's and it actually it is it's a really cool picture. It does it looks it looks overexposed, high contrast, saturated. It it looks like a punk zine, but like before punk scenes, you know, like yeah, I have to agree with them that it it probably is is a bit more striking than a a high quality just nice photograph of them. I'm sure it'd have been great, but it has definitely. It, it does have a bit more punk. edge to it. You know, uh, it yeah. looks like it, it could be like on a flyer. Um, apparently, the uh, story is uh, Fred Smith, the bass player, took the Maplethorpe original out of the copy machine after the band had settled on the photocopy and it's framed in his house. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, any any fans of Prove It? I really like Prove It. I love Prove It, Thank man. You, Prove John. It was the single. <laughs> In multiple listens through, like I really enjoy the like auditory goofs they put in there. They're not like really hard yeah. goofs. They're they're yeah. light goofs. Like when he says like, "And now you're a hundred, you know, feet up or whatever." They have like a little drum yeah. roll and a and a snare hit. And then when it's like talking about the little birds chirping, there's like a bird whistle in the back, just like yes. real small stuff. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, this is yeah. great." Well, and then like, and then when you view it, you're like, "Oh yeah, this is about like a cop." Working a working a case, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> and so like the case chirp, chirps the bird. Yeah. They're giving yeah. you the words. Yeah, <laughs> great track. I I really like that kind of like anti-hero like ruined cop like kind of feel. It's great. <laughs> yeah, this album, although though critically acclaimed, did not sell very well in the states. It did better in the UK. Uh, it it started to get momentum in the UK. But they had to turn down a UK headlining tour. Does anyone know why? Was that? Because they were supporting the Peter Gabriel tour in the United States. Hey, this, was the, uh, this was the opening band for the Peter Gabriel tour of 1977. Which, me damn. which means that Tom Verlaine, Richard Lloyd, and also Robert Fripp were all just back there <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> right? That would have been really cool. I wonder, I wonder what the Peter Gabriel fans thought. Because because at that point there weren't really Peter Gabriel fans; they were just Genesis fans. Because they're, this is the first solo album, you know. Well, it, pl it pleases so just, me uh, to the, be the, the most first. recent. The most recent output 
fans of Peter Gabriel had heard was uh, was the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Great so they so they so they buy their tickets. And they show up and they see television playing Marky Moon and then Peter Gabriel playing playing the Car album. I hope they liked it. I would have loved that. Yeah, that'd have been a good show. Robert Christgau put this as the, his pick for the number one album of 1977. That is strong competition. But I have to yeah, think, I mean, you know, we've been in this year for a while, and I, I have, I, I think I've only given dislikes to very few albums. 1977 has been such a strong year for music. I think that Marky Moon so far is my favorite of 77, and that includes Ramones, Clash, Stranglers, Wire, Bowie, like I, I really, we still get, like we, we still, still have more. more. I think that Marky Moon is my contender for '77 for the class of '77. Not only have we been covering great albums from '77, we've been covering great debuts from '77, and put this one also on the list. What a fucking awesome debut! Yeah, record, it's a shame guys. that you know an album this good and and a critics darling didn't sell very well. And I think it was just this album and then one more, and that was the end of television, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's all you get. They had, uh, yeah, Marky Moon in 77 and Adventure in 78. Uh, two, uh, two, two albums, yeah. two years. Yeah, I was going to say it might be one of the, uh, what would you say, best unknown albums or ho- sort of hidden gems that are not in the public consciousness. Marky Moon, I mean, I don't you know just if I live in a hear... bubble, but I wouldn't consider Marky Moon unknown. I would. Okay. I mean, from all the all the other albums that we've done in 1977, Rumors, The Clash, you know, those things get played all the time. 77 um, was a really good year for music. Okay. Oh, dude, dude. I, I, I think I, I, I've already name dropped a few other 77 albums that I think this is better than. Um, I'm going to throw in Talking Heads. I think this is better than Talking Heads 77. Sure. Yeah. Shit. Uh, rumors. Yeah, that's tough. It's apples and oranges, but man, I've got to give the edge to Marky Moon. I, I just really, really like this record. Uh, yeah, we don't need to go around the, around the nah. room, right? Yeah, on the positive. Okay. Uh, television okay. was. Uh, they were shopped much like Talking Heads. They, the uh, record labels were shopping for them, and, uh, and yeah. they, they, they were. They had multiple suitors, oh and God. they actually they had uh, previously to recording this album. They had recorded a series of demos for Island Records uh, with Brian Eno at the board. And I think they, they really liked working with Eno. But, and I think that they were right in this discretion. Uh, they said that the emo treatment of their songs was like too cold and clinical. And they wanted like, a, it's a, this is a guitar rock album. You know, this isn't ambient. This is, this is, it's artistic and it's jazzy, but this is ballsy guitar rock. You know? 
people are very inspired by uh their the guitar work in this album i think it's that's what i was going back to is is saying it's it's a bit unknown i mean it's not just people don't just bring it up uh, i don't know why it 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 kind of surprised me when i was doing you know just looking through the the reviews and you go through all music Christgal, entertainment week everything is 10 10 everything is five stars there's not a single review that I you can see on Wikipedia. It's all A plus, five stars, ten out of ten. Uh, you know, it's it's absolutely hailed as like one of the greatest albums of this era, but it just doesn't seem to so resonate. So strange. I don't know. Hey, do you think there's a coincidence between Tom Berlane and the band Television having the same initials? <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty fun. I never thought right? about it. <laughs> this case is closed. Is there any connection? Be- is there any connection between a uh, violent femmes and television? Oh, I would man. like to say yes. I would, is, there, is there a direct line? I, I, I hear it. You know, sonically, that's what I wrote down. I was like, this sounds exactly like violent femmes. Yeah, it's like electric violent femmes. Yeah, yeah. It, is, his delivery is just. No, but there is no direct right tie-in, like no members, no 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 wives, girlfriends, cousins, brothers. It's just they saw it and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is good. Let's take all this." <laughs> yeah. no, no, no New York cub Milwaukee connection. I don't believe. Right. right. God. Yeah. Perfect album. Yeah. This is one of those. And absolutely. And great tracking it's on amazing. it too. Like they picked all the songs to place them right where they need to be. Torn Curtain is a solid finish. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's not too long. It's not too short. It, it really, it, it, could, it uh, could be a perfect record. Torn Curtain. Bert, you ever seen that Hitchcock movie? Yes, I have. have. <laughs> 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 is this a Hitchcock yeah. podcast? I can talk about Hitchcock. Let's go. 80,000 copies of this album sold. I think that's like current. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. We can do it. Everyone go let's, out and buy a copy uh, of Marquee let's Moon. Boost those numbers. Let's, <laughs> let's give these guys some publishing money. <laughs> All right. Next time we'll be talking about Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell. Oh, oh no what? shit. Oh right. wow. Wrong grade. I'm gonna fight everybody. Wrong grade. <laughs>